1: ASAP.
0: Our bags are packed for the E-League Cup, but first got to drop the weekend edition of the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's Seven, and we're broadcasting live from the set of Sneaky's Bowsette photoshoot.
1: It's just creepy, man. You should warn me when you're gonna start with the creepy uh the creepy intros. The whole point is to throw you off your game before the show starts. I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, in a couple days we'll get to you know, go visit the, the famous closet in the E League studios. Oh, oh, I was like, Where are we going with this? Is uh well, that our the-
0: sneaky shooting?
1: Like I had no idea. It go- It could be. Why are we talking about
0: this? I have no idea. But coming up on this episode, Team Vitality is all about them Benjamins. Cheating at Fortnite is becoming a profitable endeavor. Vintage C9 is back in CSGO. And Rocket League is having a banner week. But first... NetEase is teaming up with Blizzard to make a big esports play in China. After weeks of rumors, it is finally official. NetEase is diving deep into Blizzard esports with plans for events for Hearthstone, StarCraft 2, II, Warcraft 3, and Heroes of the Storm. Interesting formats and uh, some ridiculous prizes are on tap for 2019. This is a very different look for Blizzard esports, and this announcement, while largely about Warcraft 3, does seem to have some hints at least at what we might get out of the other games what are your thoughts on NetEase's ease's approach here and are you still holding out hope for that hearthstone league
1: i think it's great that they're adding in all this uh additional support for esports throughout china uh around the blizzard titles we knew something for warcraft 3 was coming was coming we had hoped we guessed we assumed, come. yes. And they were essentially mirroring what they were doing in 2010 around the a league then. So it's, uh, I believe, this exact same format. I'm excited about that. It's, I'd love to see that come to the States or worldwide. Warcraft 3, gotta love it. Man. I mean,
0: I'm a huge fan of Warcraft 3. 720000 US dollar total prize pool just for Warcraft 3. Uh, they're also going to throw out a uh, McLaren supercar. Uh, for the grand prize of the EU versus China Hearthstone International Tournament in
1: 2019. Yeah, that's uh the EU uh, versus China tournament has kind of earned a, a reputation for giving away the big car. It's a uh, uh, invitational only, obviously, um, and I believe it is invitational. Uh, yes. Did it say it in the name? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, uh, last year I think Tice won it, and uh, I don't even know if the kid can drive, but. Uh, I, I, in all honesty, the way he plays cards sometimes, I hope he isn't driving. But Whoa. Oh, sick just burn. Yeah, well, you know, he's having fun now. He's a streamer and less of a pro. I'm pretty sure that's everybody in Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's the way it feels sometimes. All right, so moving along, uh, after securing a spot in the LEC, Team Vitality, as you had mentioned at the top of the show, continues their momentum with a $22.7 million investment from Tej... How do you how do you spell this name? Tej- well, you spell it like it's in the well, Google so Doc, but say you it? say
0: it. It's uh, Tej Kohli.
1: Tej Kohli. Uh, CEO Nicholas Marr is looking to spend that money in part by expanding into new games, most notably mentioning Dota, which would be... Awesome. Again, to expand the brand. Uh, this is the first time we've actually seen money raised on the back of franchising to be used explicitly to expand the org's uh, esports footprint. What do you think about uh, Vitality spending this money? So this is interesting, right? We we often talk about companies raising
0: money either because they're about to get in the franchising or they just did. But we often hear this followed up by, in fact, the initial conjecture here was that you know, it was going to be eSports Stadium and merchandise and offices. You know, the usual stuff when right. they raise money. But they very explicitly have come out and said, we're getting into a game. Now, they're in 10 other games, by the way. 10 other games. But Dota is not one of them. And it is soon going to be. It's interesting because it's a bet, right? Because Dota is harder to make a sustainable organization in, and obviously what you're really playing for is you're playing for the international, right? You want to go and you want to get that piece, that giant prize pool. And even if you do decently well... You still bring home a lot of money, and every year that prize pool keeps going up. Now the question is Is how much of this $22.7 million is going to go into building that Dota team that has something to do with it. Or buying that Dota team. Or buying that Dota team, which is the more likely approach if you're going to be like truly successful. Otherwise, you got to help for some other teams to fall apart, which has been a... Let's say it's gone completely, but certainly occurs less than we have seen in previous seasons with some stability coming to the organizations like Virtus. Pro, for example, um, and having the new minor major format has definitely helped there. I think it's a, it's a good thing. Um, it's definitely a more ballsy move to invest it into another game as opposed to you know building up your infrastructure. But in a lot of ways, depending on how you slice the pie, you could say this is a better use of the money as far as being able to produce more money, as opposed to, oh uh, well, we hope if we make these state-of-the-art training facilities, it will somehow be the best esports
1: team in all the games. Right, I feel like whenever they get the money and they want to jump right into, we're building this awesome facility and expanding Bullshit. in these areas. Right? Expanding in these areas, it's just basically a team house. Uh, what would suffice in, in a lot of areas. I think that expanding in other genres allows you to expand your... Uh, Again, your brand and how recognizable it is, expand the amount of maybe uh, money you're, you're you're selling on on shirts or jerseys or whatever it right. may be. And I think that from a merchandise standpoint, it's helpful there. It's helpful for recognition overall. And I think it's just a smarter play to do that. Yep. And I think Dota 2, I, I could see them going down the PSG route where they kind of latch onto someone or maybe jump into a different area outside of this. I don't think they'll go strictly like a European team, but I think they'll branch out to different areas. If they're looking to expand the brand, it would make sense for them to jump into another regions like well, like a Chinese team or a Korean team. Potentially. And
0: Dota's the game to do it. And there's plenty
1: of organizations that are based
0: in one region that have a completely different region making up the majority of their Dota squad. Yeah. Yep. It's 2015 all over again. Retired C9 players Shroud, Nothing, Skadoodle, and Segaris are currently playing their way through the IEM Katowice uh, minor alongside former
1: Swole Patrol player Silent. Are you excited to see the old gang back together again? This is so awesome. I love the fact that they're actually streaming in this, and I love the fact that uh, there's a clip floating around of Shroud trying—the entire group really trying to understand— how the qualifications go and at what point in time they actually have to go to Poland if they make it there and who they have to beat. <laughs> minor details. Right. Right. Well, basically, at one point, it's a lot of online qualifiers. And then once you get, reach a certain point, you actually have to go to Poland for the uh, – I think it's the actual minor qualifier – uh i'm not sure which one exactly it is but it's just funny to watch the whole because they're so used to being like invited to everything right already being at that top right oh wait this is what it means to be a normie right right it's great because they're having so much fun with it the team is actually playing under the name budget cyber monday virgin version virgin that would work too Uh, budget cyber monday version of ogc since the original team name that they came up with was the old guys club which i think we had maybe mentioned a while back when they decided to go down this route years ago it was uh no it was like this summer i think Uh, but the other rumor out there floating around is that if they make it to poland dr disrespect will even come in and play the role of coach for the team and go to poland with them what does dr disrespect have to do with any of this he's uh, he plays a lot with shroud and like a lot of the other games so they're, Hmm. they're pretty buddy buddy all right, then. Well, thanks, Dr. Disrespect. Yeah, I think... Come
0: on, man. This is hilarious. This is great. I hope they... Because they can actually make their way into the major based on how they play, finish at the uh, minor, so this would be crazy. Like, how far are they going to go?
1: It's it's very possible. I think they'll go far enough that they'll break out the uh, Cloud9 tank tops once again. Maybe they'll just, like, spray paint over them like OGC. Do they,
0: you think they just all have, like, just one pristinely folded febrezed sitting in the top dresser drawer just waiting for the day i i do
1: (laughs) (laughs) all All right right. learning learning new things about you all right so uh after months of complaining uh complaints about the closed nature of previous skirmish events uh epic finally gave the fans what they wanted which is a truly open format and in the case of the winter royale what they did uh what did they get for their generosity cheaters of course you knew it was going to happen right people uh, are horrible a particular player uh a, a particular player's use of an aimbot was enough to get uh Tifu riled up and, and jumped into the entire tirade about the game online he,
0: like, ripped his headset off he's like f online tournaments f this game he just like
1: lost it. oh yeah and then he even went offline for a bit to try and qualify even further because he was tired of like just he thought he was getting stream sniped as well. Didn't want to deal with it. How did Epic not see this coming? I I mean, do we chalk this up to
0: the Epic B Epic and their newbies and they don't know what they're doing here? Like, we've seen them make mistakes before. But this seems like an obvious thing to, like, A, fix cheating in your game in general and you wouldn't have this problem, right? Like, it's right. not just about the esports side of things. Um, I applaud them, you know keep the dream alive. like I applaud them for making that attempt here. Uh, but you probably should have your shit together before you make said attempt so you don't end up looking like idiots. And what is unfortunate is these like summer um, skirmishes that they have been doing have been very popular. so it sucks for them to like change the format for this winter royale in lieu of the skirmish and then you know this ends up happening. It delegitimizes
1: the whole thing. Do you think maybe part of it was the community was wanting this online tournament, and they said, well, let's just do it, and this is ends up what happening? Like, this is kind of like to prove the point. I don't know if they ever came out and they said, we don't want to do an online one because we're afraid of cheating. That kind of defeats the purpose. But, I mean, there's video evidence of him basically getting uh, aimbotted yep. and losing out. And that sucks because he's one of the winningest players in Fortnite right now, and yep. he didn't even make the, uh, the cut.
0: I'll be interested to see if this gets worse, right? So they also recently announced today that over 200 million players are now playing the game, which is like one of the most played video games ever, uh, probably largely on the back of South Korea's expansion. Yeah, And as they bring more players and more players from foreign countries into the equation, are we going to see even more cheating at these events before it gets better?
1: Well, there was also someone, uh, I think it was in the CSGO community who had been... Uh, it wasn't uh, – what's his name? Uh, wasn't Forsaken? Well, yeah, it wasn't Forsaken. Somebody else who – I can't remember their name off the top of my head. Um, but they were basically showing how the the hardware hacks out there using, like, a Raspberry Pi to kind of offload data to get the – they kind of intercept data to see where the players are and then use that to, like, essentially visualize it on your phone or send it to your phone by, like, an app or something. It's really weird. Like, there's – it, it's essentially what it is. It, it is uh, – Hardware hacking is just understanding or dialing into basically like the data stream of like the packets and everything. So it's and you you may not necessarily get to see where they are on a screen, but you at least know where they are in terms of from a map standpoint. And it's just crazy that people have taken it to that length. It's not just an aimbot anymore. It's 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 very hard or very difficult for games now to bypass some of that stuff. It just it blows
0: my mind. Maybe you could put this level of effort into actually getting good at the game. Instead of faking being good
1: at the game. I mean, uh, so, well, that's true. True. It, also, like, where do you expect to go with it? Especially when a lot of these, they start as an online, but then they end up going to a LAN event. And then you go there and you suck. Like, No, you just load up Word.exe and Clippy, true. like, rolls with it. It's good. Clippy's got your back. So do you think that this will totally squash them doing any more online? For a while. I think they have to put
0: better measures in place. I think they have to have ways to catch this faster... Um, if what you say ends up being true and it is an impossible thing to completely eliminate, you at least need to have better rules for catching it faster and readjusting yeah. the tournament, kicking people out, replays, etc. Because we have a streamer like Tifu, very popular, very good Fortnite player. You look like an idiot when he exposes this during one of your events online.
1: Well the problem with well, the problem with the format is it doesn't allow you to go back and replay because it's it, it takes a general number of say kills right, and yep. w- and and rankings and where you win across a, a swath of uh, games right or during yep. a certain period of time. And so you can't just go back and replay one match because it's impossible necessarily for them to do. Right. It can in a LAN but not when it's an online tournament. Yep.
0: Which is, you know, you got to change shit up or you got to get better at catching cheaters. Like it's it's truly unfortunate. So things are really starting to come together in Rocket League Esports. So we talk a lot about how Rocket League Esports is potentially on the bubble to kind of move up to that next tier. So this weekend, we see the 2018 edition of the E-League Cup, which I will be at with Jules this weekend, which I'm super excited about. Uh, It's going to be coming to Twitch, where eight teams will compete for the share of $150,000 in prize pool. And now we know why they uh, stopped sending us Cheez-Its. It's, true. it's true. just ran out of the fundage. Um, so looking at this, we have Group A, which will be Cloud9, Energy, PSG Esports, and Chiefs Esports, and Group B will be Dignitas, Weedem Girls, Flipside, and Evil Geniuses. What matchups are you the most excited for? We're fresh off this RLCS season finale in which there was a ton of surprises, which makes the e- and E-Leagues benefiting from this because this is far more interesting than it would have been had Dignitas just run the table.
1: Right. Well, of course, the one I'm looking forward to is a rematch, which is quite possible because they're in different groups. Cloud9 versus Dignitas, once again. I can tell you, though, that Violet Panda, K-Dop, and Turbo Pulsar are, like, totally, totally out to get blood now because they were shown up by Cloud9. Shown up? The, yeah, at the, at the world. So, I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to want to see that rematch and then see how it pans out. It's totally doable. I think, arguably, maybe... Uh, Cloud9 probably has a more difficult bracket um, because they still have to go through PSG and uh, uh, NRG. But, I mean, still, Dignitas does have to go through some some quality teams as well.
0: These are all great teams, right? It's very easy to forget how competitive this was before Dignitas just decided to run the table. Like, most of these are top teams or former top teams. And when you look at the RLCS uh, Grand Finals bracket... There's, you know, Weedham Girls was in there. Chiefs was in there. Obviously, Dignitas and C9. You know, you've got Flipside Tactics in there that has had a very good Rocket League team for a while. It's going to be a pretty awesome set of matches. I'm stoked about this. Like, I, again, like, Rocket League is always been well, good done well for E-League, and this can only help them because there's so many stories coming into this, and they got the big-name teams that did well in the RLCS, which also helps.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the top eight from the uh, RL. CS, uh, World Championship. If you're wondering, though, that last year, last year's champion at E-League was G2 Esports, they aren't participating because they finished in ninth place. Womp What? Yeah. There's no,
0: like, hey, you get in? It's not like college football where all you have to do is win once and then you're just, like, guaranteed a spot all the time?
1: No, I, I like that. I mean, I kind of would have liked to see them come back. Uh, just to continue that storyline. Maybe what they'll do is they'll do... Remember what they did with Astralis versus uh, Virtus Pro, where it was the, the two Premier League winners, like Season 1, Season 2 winners, yep. versus each other, and then Astralis just ran, ran amok and yep. said, hey, we'll take $250,000 for free? Turns out Astralis actually was able to maintain their quality. <laughs> <laughs> this is also true. I think that the one of the things that uh, someone I po- posted on Reddit and pointed out, and I actually agree with, yes, I agree with Reddit on occasion, is the one of the benefits of this tournament for e-league is that you have a lot of these teams uh, and how they kind of sort of fared at the world championship it allows them one more chance to to kind of prove themselves before you kind of jump into that season where their the roster changes yeah. and 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 so if you can it's a proving ground so people are really out for blood even though it's not the same amount of money and it's it's less money it's still a considerable amount. And a short—I mean, you're doing, You're basically getting a weekend tournament for 150 k Yeah, and a chance to continue your contract. And I think there's yeah. a lot on the line here. And, and I would, I'm would. hoping to see some really cool narratives come from this. And kudos for E-League tying—being able to
0: tie this to the results of the RLCS. It creates this consistent narrative throughout the season that we kind of get on other games for not necessarily having. And, and we'll talk about this here in a second— Rocket League is doing a tremendous job of even when there's events, uh, other than the weird NBC shit, like where they are able to tie (laughs) everything together. So you care about these one-off events, similar to how you care about often the CSGO one-off events when the good teams show up by tying it to that regular season narrative through the RLCS. So coming up at DreamHack... We are going to have the beginning of a four-part event, so the DreamHack Rocket League Pro Circuit, which will feature four events, each offering a hundred thousand dollar prize pool. Uh, You got to be—I mean, I am incredibly excited for this as well, because again, now we got the RLCS, we got this one-off E League Cup, now we got four DreamHack events, and it's interesting to me that Rocket League has found this niche amongst. The games that are not franchised and not overly regulated by the developers, right? We've pulled the Legends out of the equation. We have pulled um, everything Blizzard, everything Blizzard basically out of the equation. And to a large degree, even like Smite and Paladins is largely run by uh, high res and their subsequent studios that keep popping up every other day. And Rocket League is swimming. <laughs> pop up esports studios. It's <laughs> just pop up esports studios. We're making a new Battle Royale game combined with a card game. It's just going to be Card Game Royale. And They are finding this little niche that they are swimming in. Like, is Rocket League gone to that next tier at this point? Or have they moved out of we probably would have had them in the C tier of esports? Now they're pulling bigger numbers than a lot of the main Blizzard esports. They're partnering with the same type of companies that were able to launch other games. Even Overwatch, right? I mean, we forget about that. Overwatch, their first real esport event, happened through E-League. So it's very interesting to watch this happen. And I think Rocket League may potentially be at that inflection point.
1: Yeah, I think they. I wouldn't say they were, they were C team or C league. I think they've been B, pretty much A. The last couple of tournaments, especially when you look at the numbers from from the uh, World Championship, it, their numbers are amazing, and I think they are basically they've they've hit that top tier now. Uh, I think some larger prize pools is really a, the only thing ki- kind of missing from it. The prize pools are relatively small in comparison to the audience
0: numbers. When you look at other leagues that have much larger prize pools, but similar or smaller uh, audience numbers.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think that uh, what we'll see is when you start adding it in into DreamHack, you start adding in uh, a lot more tournaments. It gets in front of more people, especially at these conventions. And you'll start seeing, I think you'll start seeing some sponsors flocking to it. It's We've, we've always argued that it's probably the easiest eSport to watch and understand yep. and just inherently get when you do the, the bar test, which is it's up on a screen. It's car soccer. Yep. It's up on a screen. You can't hear it, but you can totally watch it and drink to it and totally get it and it, it works, and I think that's going to appeal to sponsors because it can—you can start playing it and in, in different. Bars, restaurants, whatever it may be, people just understand it and get it and enjoy it.
0: Yep. It's one of those things where it is it passes the eyesight test very easily but has a ton of nuance to it. So if you know absolutely nothing, you can figure out what's going on on the screen. If you care a lot about the game, there is a ton of nuance that you can learn and keep you interested. And it's great. They're doing a lot of like – I didn't realize they have their own merchandise now. There's a crazy little like remote control car game where you can literally like play Rocket League with remote control cars.
1: It's kind of cool. And, and like a balloon. i
0: don't know balloon sure there's a balloon involved it's it's gonna be interesting so this pro circuit is going to kick off uh in february from the 15th to the 17th in leipzig uh we're also going to have the event in may which will be in dallas and then we have an upcoming european and north american tour stop that has not been announced yet so those are going to be the four dream hacks that's going to take place at. but four hundred thousand dollars is not bad they are one-off tournaments
1: but 400k we're inching up there do you think we're going are we going to see vitality going in buy we dem girls you
0: should because every time I have to listen to them do commentary and refer to We Them Girls repeatedly, they just like facepalm. So,
1: yes,
0: <laughs> the vitality, help us out.
1: So, you had mentioned it a little bit earlier, but what cheating hasn't done uh, has slowed down the growth of, of Fortnite, having reached over 200 million players uh, recently announced. I believe it was Forbes, I think, gave the numbers. Yep. And uh, so, we mentioned that South Korea is. A huge addition to this, but we've also kind of felt like Fortnite's been on the decline. Is the launch in Korea essentially masking that decline? I think so. I think that South Korea
0: is a very large market. We saw the PC bang numbers come out; like they were very, very yeah. good. I think maybe "masking" is not the right word, but it's certainly given it a temporary boost and quite a large one. Right? I think the last time we talked numbers around Fortnite, it was a hundred million. So clearly, it has gone up. I think it's going to, like we, I think we even said this when we talked about that in news about them launching in South Korea, is it's going to be a little spike because it's a new market. It's a very, very voracious video game market. And the PC bong numbers are what we were waiting to see what they look like. And they come out and they look really, really good. Where are we at in six to 12 months? Like it's going down. Like in the markets where Fortnite has been a thing for a while, the game is in decline. You can look at all sorts of indicators, right? You can look at, you know, concurrent numbers on stream you can look at the big streamers like ninja and where his numbers have gone we uh, see you know popular activations that they're doing we're seeing the sales numbers potentially not be great there's a bunch of little tidbits of information out there that all point to this potentially uh, starting to burn and fizzle out which is not unsurprising it was always inevitably going to happen they were not going to be able to maintain this level for long periods of time uh, it doesn't have the same nuance to it as a league of legends where people are spending a ton of time like learning to be very very good at the game it is much more of like a flash-in-the-pan style genre in general and i think you know it's obviously been able to survive the fate of the h1z ones and the pubg's over time but you know give it a year we're going to be talking about a completely different game so i think this is a nice bump and kudos um, but we are starting to get into that territory like blizzard's gotten with hearthstone where we're throwing these giant numbers around that nobody believes anymore
1: well, I mean, it's also free, so getting those installs is pretty easy. Yep. I mean, League of Legends did that initially as well; like, they were, had huge amount of uh, uptick once they. Uh, I remember them being like, we were at like thirty million, and then like a hundred million or something crazy. So it jumped really fast. But again, it was always about how them they were essentially free, uh, and Hearthstone is is no difference. But we've seen the numbers; they did. They, they were kind of taking a dip, uh, Korean, uh, South Korea came online and basically bumped those numbers. Yep. And now one of the things I, I do want to talk about it's is... all about Chris Pratt. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Evidently, that's a good tie-in for Fortnite. I, I'm waiting for those skins, oh, skins. Where is the Star-Lord skins? Oh, yeah. It's, it's coming. I'm sure it is. So uh, it, maybe it's exclusive just to South Korea, though. That's probably what will happen. Oh, man. No. Anyways, so one of the things that South Korea has latched onto... Is PUBG and they run a fair amount of, of tournaments. Uh, some awesome stuff uh, recently. I think it was like OCN. I think was the the uh, tournament. I watched uh, like, like an opening couple of minutes of one of their um, one of their basically competitions, and it was just insanity. Uh, they even have like the uh, you know how they have like all the cubicles of everybody playing. But the but the camera shot of all of those when they come in they fly in with the airplane over the ma- they do like a uh, AR map over top of everybody with like the huh. plane it's really cool looking super high tech and I think what's going to happen is Fortnite's going to come in and I feel Fortnite is way more commercially viable in the Korean market and it's just going to squash PUBG there and it's it, it's one of those areas where I think PUBG has had a, a good strong foothold and. While we will see numbers dip, I think it will hold steady there. Uh, Fortnite will hold steady over many years in South Korea, largely because they latched onto PUBG pretty well. Yeah, could be. We
0: will see. Uh, so we're days away from launch, and Valve is already making controversial changes to Artifact, dubbed Deck Tracking by the community. The latest beta notes reveal a new hotkey to inspect the current deck list of your opponent. So Hearthstone, as I have banged on about endlessly on the show, kind of kicked off the death of deck building as a skill set and far more about piloting the deck than the creativity in deck building. Is this the final nail in the coffin in that? We've got another big card game that it's not about what you bring to the tournament. There's no surprise element like we're used to on the old MTG Pro Tour days. Now it's all about how you pilot it and not necessarily about coming up with unique and interesting decks.
1: Well, I think one of the things that I have spoken about when it comes to artifact versus hearthstone when you're when you're playing hearthstone you're essentially playing against the other person's deck and the choices that they make are very linear you have so much mana you've got one lane you've got one hand that's it in artifact it's different you're playing against the player and there's also enough of an rng element with creep waves that and card placement that it makes it different every time and how you play against a deck can be completely different. And I think that the deck tracking ability is probably helpful for a lot of people. Just to, it's not even tracking. It's just being able to see what's in the person's deck and you can track it if you want to with pen and paper or whatever it may be, but it just lists what's in their deck. And even after you play someone, it's still a good option. Like, do you want to view what's what, what deck you just played against, which I think is, cool because a lot of people will just anyways go to like hearth and and find that deck that they played against and figure out like how to play against it every single time uh the one thing it does take away is that surprise ability right right? and think like oh no they really rewarding somebody for for thinking outside the box yeah and what that does is by having that kind of part hidden, it does inspire deck building. This inspires copying, like you mentioned. And I I feel like with the limited card set that they already have right now, it's maybe to a detriment. But I think to onboard people and the amount of information it takes to understand this game versus Hearthstone, I think is more helpful than anything. It's an interesting trend.
0: Uh, we were actually just talking before the show. So, KeyForge, which we we bring up from time to time, is a physical card game. Also, uh, allegedly designed by Garfield, um, that purely is a deck driving game. It's all about how you pilot the deck because it is just an algorithmically generated deck. You don't know. You buy the game in packs, and those packs are an entire deck, and you play that deck. There's no building element at all. It's about you flipping through the deck and figuring out the best way to pilot it. So it is definitely a trend in general in the card games, whether they be LCG, CCG, or TCG. You end up in this world where it's all about how you play it as opposed to how you build it. And I'm just a little sad because I remember the days of watching the MT Pro Tour, seeing all the cool, crazy deck ideas people would bring to those events and just like blow the people out of the water because it came up with a cool and creative deck that people didn't have a counter for that even sideboards couldn't necessarily deal with. And when people played on meta, they could get decently far, but the people that consistently won were the ones that really cracked the meta with just that weird, insane deck that was hard to play against. And I get to a lot of people that's not interesting or maybe not fun to watch when that deck is just super overpowering but personally myself having the the very narrow window in which i played magic the gathering was around like the pickle brine days where it was just like an impossible deck to beat and the first time it got dropped to the pro tour people were like what is this and it was very very easy to play and then it got net deck to death but i miss that portion of things and it's something that maybe is not healthy in the long run for the game but i get it
1: i mean it's still doable you can still show up at a tournament with a deck that nobody knows about and and not be able to uh, essentially sideboard against it whatever it may be so there is still that element of being able to build a deck and surprise people around the entirety of the deck it's just you're not going to surprise people with one-off cards in a deck now because they can they can see it and essentially prepare for it now it is possible that in say land events uh, or in competitive events they could take that feature away so that you don't know and maybe that is a possibility I but oh, I would sure hope so it, it's 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 doable. It's valve, though. I can't guarantee
0: any of that would ever get done. But But then I guess at least it's better than what they do at Hearthstone tournaments, which is hand you a printout.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, they hand you a printout, and then you have to memorize it. But, yeah, we shall see. We shall see. So the LPL's historic deal with Nike may now be in jeopardy. According to a report by the Esports Observer, the LPL is still negotiating parts of the deal with Nike – and the uh, main sticking point seems to be around the exclusivity of the deal. Nike is requiring that uh, no other clothing brand be worn by players, coaches, and staff, which is a pretty tall order. Uh, this would actually conflict with existing deals at the team level. So this has put teams in direct uh, in direct dispute with Riot's parent company, Tencent. The Observer is also reporting that key figures in the deal originally reported to be $144 million uh, us dollars that was over five years are actually incorrect. They did not, uh, provide real numbers beyond saying that the deal is tied to uh, pretty tightly to viewership and includes a floor that would allow Nike to completely back out of the deal. If that was the case. So who looks worse in this scenario of the LPL for looking, uh, looking at like this giant amount of money and then being like, Oh, sorry, we can't technically do it. Uh, or Nike for having the ability to like, hey, we could we could back out if this doesn't work out. So it's interesting here. So the the conflict they're referring to is actually Edward
0: Gaming, who has, uh, among a couple other teams, a deal with Li Ning, which is a uh, popular Chinese basketball shoe brand and other athletic wear in general. Uh, that's who uh, Dwayne Wade famously signed with many, many years ago. It was kind of like, oh my God, he didn't go with one of the big two or three in the U.S., Um, So, I get it to a certain degree. Now, if I'm the LPL teams, do I want to piss off Nike and Tencent and Riot? Probably not. Is it really worth it? I would much rather... The the idea of having Nike involved, regardless of the reality of it, the optics of it are really good. And for the LPL to be the... First league to get sponsored by Nike, and this largely has to do with the fact that it is in the Chinese market, right? right? It's the biggest market out there, and Nike wants to get involved in it. Nike, never really above feeling petty, right? Like Nike has definitely done this in other sports. They when it comes to negotiation, uh it, you some could call it frugalness, some could call it just covering their ass. Um it would suck to sign a five-year deal and have the bottom drop out of League of Legends or in the Chinese market, League of Legends at a, at a minimum. And not get your value for that $144 million. So I get it to a certain extent. I also think that Nike can be a trash company sometimes when it comes to these situations. And this definitely is one of those things where they're like, I mean, what's $144 million to Nike? Probably not a whole lot. Over five years. Over ago. five years. Probably not that big of a deal. They probably play a single basketball athlete that, but the exposure here in the market to me also seems worth it because it's the Chinese market and it's esports. Like if there's a, we talked about this last week, right? Chinese market for esports is insane right now. And you should want to be involved in that. And yeah, if it ends up being a dead deal after a couple seasons, great. Um, the exclusivity thing makes sense. Like I could see why people they would want it. that. Yeah. It's very thing. So I and uh, but we have to remember, leaning means a lot more in China than it does in the U.S. So it's hard for us to to pull an equivalency here, here right? Because in the U.S., we're like, it's Nike. Why wouldn't you? But in China, in China, it's viewed very differently.
1: Yeah, and the exclusivity thing is is pretty commonplace when it comes to deals like this. Bose, I think, worked one with the NFL where they all the players had to wear Bose headphones, which sucks and, because they all like Beats. Yeah, and you, they would actually get fined. They would get fined if they wore Beats, uh, the Beats headphones, like while walking off the. Their don't team wear bus. Beats
0: headphones, but go ahead and make a Fortnite skin of this guy killing this other guy. It'll be fine.
1: <laughs> we didn't say they were making great. The NFL was making great decisions. I Have think those words ever been uttered? Actually, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I. I think that uh, that amount of money 144 especially after losing 300 million dollars uh, on that that media deal they'll they're going to more than likely if it was actually 144 million dollars they will find a way I think and it may be with Nike that Life they, they get this exception way. for just the one team but that one team has no ability to renew that contract so that I, it's doable I think
0: we'll see Uh, NBA 2K marketing director Ronnie Singh says that he would fully expect there to be women in the 2019 draft class purely based on skill coming up in the uh, 2019 NBA 2K League is what he's referring to. Uh, This statement, along with some meaningful moves, including adding more inclusive language to the league's applications, as well as using the NBA's own head of diversity and inclusion to bring more women into the combine, indicate that he may be right. How close do you think this puts us to a woman starting in the 2K League in 2019?
1: I think it's totally doable. I don't know. Um, so with some other games like CSGO, they have uh, women have their own league. And yep. so I know that they're existing players of it. I don't know how many women play NBA 2K. And uh, they claim enough. Like, I'm, I'm sure they have say. the numbers. I'm sure they have the numbers. And okay. I think it's totally, totally doable. And I think and a
0: mixed gender league talk about being progressive for the NBA, right? Like if they yeah. actually were just drafting women directly into the two K league, I don't know that there is any other game even close to that happening,
1: right? And I think that'd be that'd be amazing. I, it'd be I, I think it would be a great boost to NBA two K uh, from just from an audience reach as well. Uh, it would definitely help them out, and I I I, I welcome it. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah, uh,
0: I want to see it actually play out. Some of this is tied around some language that I think is being maybe conveniently construed to mean that it's about diversity and inclusion when they really just – it sounds actually more like they're covering their ass on a behavior standpoint. But the statement that is more telling to me is the fact that they've got the NBA's head of inclusion going out there and like right. actually trying to recruit women to bring them into the combine. They had women in the combine last year, but they actually believe that the women will make it into the draft class, which means they could get drafted. I don't know if they'll start uh, but it could be very interesting for what the draft looks like That's for twenty nineteen.
1: That's good, especially there's, if there's more people in that combine. There's a, a better chance uh, that they'll make it
0: through. Yep, yep. So. And they won't do some mysterious thing in the off season to get kicked out of the league.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, <laughs> well, whatever. As long as they aren't the the, uh, the female equivalent of XQC. So oh god, no, yeah. please. Anyways, the bar has been set. So the bureaucracy is at it again. This time the U.S. Fed Federal Trade Did Commission – I can't always talk. Why do I do this? Uh, has opened you, you know it. now that you stumbled all over that, that's the clip they're going to use to promote us on social. This happens every time when I totally stumble on like the weird offshoot – Story, uh, it's the one that they end up on Twitter. Anyway, this is
0: all punishment for the Sven jokes. You do it
1: is that. it is. <laughs> That's probably why I never did think about that. This is the way that they get me back. Super passive aggressive. I love it. Uh, anyway, so uh, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has opened an investigation into loot boxes, and if they constitute gambling, so Senator Maggie Hassan said, I think it's time for the FTC to investigate these mechanisms to ensure that children are being adequately protected and educate parents about potential addiction, and other negative impacts of these games. So, Brian, I like how you say it
0: like there might be somebody else in the room.
1: What do, you, what do you mean, like, Brian? No, 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 Oh, no,
0: me. Not, it's no, my turn.
1: No. Brian, not Sven, to be clear. Oh, oh okay. I <laughs> so, thought maybe Jules is here or something. Like maybe we should just bring her in for the for these to read all these. She does an amazing job on the on the daily. Like when she reads, the, she the, sounds the, like a proper it, newscaster. It's embarrassing
0: for the rest of us.
1: I know that's why. Like on the on the car right here, I listen to all the dailies uh, again, and it's just it's like, man, I am so bad at this compared to Jules. Uh, so, so uh, my question to you, Brian. Are, are loot boxes being bad for kids just the, the latest easy kind of soapbox issue? Because we know that, like, the government likes to jump onto video games from time to time. Yep. Uh, or does this movement seem to to kill them, seem to have some teeth? I think it has teeth in that
0: some real legislation has already been passed. We talked about this, uh, in fact, I think the last episode, because all we yeah. can ever talk about is fucking loot boxes. Uh, they basically... Have... And shoes. And, and shoes and cheeses. And so they have clearly already passed legislation in some countries. The U.K. has taken a more passive approach. If the U, if a country was ever going to do something stupid around this in video games, it would be the United States. Um, this will test how much money the video game lobby is throwing around in the U.S. as to whether or not this gets any traction. Um, it is, and we're going to talk about this every time this co- topic of conversation comes up. There is a difference between gambling and taking advantage of the chemical makeup in the brain and how they react to you know, FOMO and things of that nature in games in general. That doesn't necessarily constitute it as gambling, but because gambling is a thing they can regulate and being good at manipulating people's brains is not, they go the gambling route. So do I think it's gambling? Nope. Uh, do I think that they will use that to sweep a what is actually a problem? It is. um, then i think it should actually have some real teeth to it i i've said this i've got on the record on the show before and i will do it many many times in the future because all we talk about is loot boxes it will be the battle pass model needs to be the way the games go and they won't have to screw with these regulations and they could still make a crap ton of money we could all still get our limited edition skins and they could eliminate the loot box and get these people off their back and that just seems to be the way that it should happen
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the way it'll end up going, just so they can dodge any more legislation. It's not worth it. If you can make just as much money to the battle pass, then fuck it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading a post on Reddit where someone who was working at a GameStop was talking about how kids who are coming in, like, totally breaking the piggy bank open, buying stuff so they could uh, buy – Uh, things with actually within Call of Duty, and the guy had made a joke about Fortnite, and they're like, no, 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 Call of Duty is one we were all, everybody's, like, Fortnite's old, we want Call of Duty. (laughs) But he starts thinking, uh, you know, he was was talking about how the the fact that, you know, when we did it, we had, like, tangible things, like Like, like, like like baseball cards or whatever it may be, right? Even if you're, like, your thing is, like, Magic the Gathering, you have something tangible you can keep for a long time. And is still playable. Things like Call of Duty and skins and Fortnite, when that game passes on, you don't have anything. Yeah, right? they you, shut down you, the server
0: a few years.
1: And... Yeah, you technically don't have anything. And so these kids are, are dumping tons of money into these things uh, for cosmetics that really may only have a, a shelf life of sometimes a year or maybe a, a little bit more. How, how many games have you invested in that have eventually just been sunsetted, especially in like the MMO
0: market? like They just go away. And all that yeah. money wasted.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm notoriously bad for investing in, in some games. I think, but uh, I, I enjoy it because I want to get in there. I want the full experience. But yeah, I, also, I had the MMO addiction, right? Like every time a new
0: cool MMO would come out, and I was like tired of World of Warcraft. I latched yeah. on about the collector's edition. I did all the things, and then the game would sunset six months to twelve months later, and I wasted all that money. Yep, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: that's that definitely happened to me as well. I miss you, City of Heroes.
0: <laughs> Just saying. Oh, man. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can catch this show every Monday and Thursday on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eleagereport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're over there, uh, leave us a five-star review. This week, Josh THH dropped us some five-star love, and not just for you and I, but called out Jules as well. Aw, That's because she sounds like a professional, and the rest of us are just idiots. (laughs) <laughs> Is that what it, was that actually in the in? The, no, yeah. no, no. He said we're all doing a good job. Hey, guys and girls, we're you know you're doing a good job, so we're doing a good job. Nice. You know that nice. or he mistook your lack of base as, as another woman
1: on the show. It, he was just uh, just hitting both. <laughs> just to make sure that he was covering all of his bases just catching catching all the pronouns just in but, case Sven was in the room
0: yes yes exactly but we appreciate those five star reviews keep them coming if you do leave us one hit us up on social at E-League TV. Uh and yeah, we'll give you a shout out on the show and probably make fun of ourselves as we talk about it it's what we do uh, if you want to talk to us more directly you can do that by joining our discord over at and of course if that's not enough esports content for you be sure to check out eLeague daily for the day's top headlines available as an Amazon Echo Fra- Flash Briefing Flash Briefing (laughs) And uh, in regular old podcast form, and you can listen to Jules, do it the right way.
1: Yeah, properly pronounce things.
0: Yes, yes, and as we mentioned earlier, we are going to be live at the E League Cup Rocket League 2018. Uh, you can check that out on Twitch starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday, and that goes through the weekend, Saturday and Sunday as well. So make sure to check that out. And I believe it'll be broadcast later on TBS. If you're one of those old school people that turns on the television, they probably kill me for saying that because you know, <laughs> I think we, it's actually over three weeks too.
1: So I think they're spreading
0: it out. They over love three weeks. to spread the love. Like, yeah, I, why not? Quite literally. But that's going to do it for this week. We will be back on Monday with all the results from Rocket League and the news from the weekend on another edition of the E League Report.